Welcome to episode two of the Superpowered Fancast. I'm Darren. I'm Stephanie. I'm Jenna. I'm Danny. All right, well. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to start off with, again, um, you know, we're not going to do this every episode, but until you are used to the fact that we're not experts, we're going to just keep telling you that we're not. So we want to start off with a couple of corrections and omissions. And I'm sure as we continue doing this, there'll be a lot more. But right now, we were lucky that in our first episode, we only had two. So we're do when I talked about um, Iron Man storylines and I talked about Nightmare in a Bottle, I was wrong. It's actually called Demon in a Bottle. So I'll go ahead and... Asterisk. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and take the internet hatred for that one. And I talked about Christopher Reeve writing uh, Superman 4. Um, he didn't actually write Superman 4. He had a story by credit for Superman 4, but it was actually written by Lawrence Connor and Mark Rosenthal. So those are corrections and omissions. If you can think of anything else, just let us know. You can email us at superpoweredfancast at gmail.com, or you can uh, contact us on Twitter, Twitter at superpoweredfan. Yay. Sorry. Or just post mean comments on our Facebook. Exactly. That works too. We don't mind. Tear us apart. <laughs> All right. So what we want to do now is just kind of talk about anything that's interesting to us in Marvel Comics. And I'm going to actually send it over to Danny, who is our Marvel guru. Uh, Marvel guru. Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange. Uh, are we talking about the comic or are we talking about the trailers? I think we're going to talk about the trailers later, but I really so can't talking, talk okay. about the, yeah, right now we just want to talk about the, the comics, talking about comics and even okay. kind of the overall world. Okay. Um, What's new, Danny? What's new in comics? Uh, Marvel did a C-3PO thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> I'm lost. No, no, I'm I mean, lost. that's why, you know, okay. Star Wars, the, um, they've, uh, we're not going to spoil anything, but... Uh, Marvel has decided to finally tell everyone exactly how C-3PO got a red arm. So uh, pick up that comic so you can find out why. I thought it was an interesting story. I'm not necessarily a huge uh, Star Wars comic fan, but, you know, that uh, it was an interesting aside for a question that everyone was having. So if you want to find out the story behind the red arm, pick up that comic. For five ninety nine. <laughs> that's something we're actually going to talk about as far as uh comic book prices as well we're not going to you know go into whether or not they're too high or too low but i just want to when we talk when we get into back issues i want to kind of talk about um you know the price of comics and how they've gone up so uh is there any other marvel-based news that anyone wants to talk about i Hear things about Winter Soldier, and so I'm looking directly, <laughs> directly at Jenna. Tell us how you feel about the current, well, you know, the current-ish Bucky in space. Bucky in space. <laughs> well, as you all know, Brubaker quit writing the Winter Soldier. I'm not going to say quit, but he stopped. He, he's on a hiatus, as he says. He, he doesn't know if he'll ever come back. And he had a long, beautiful letter saying, you know, he was so touched by how far Bucky had come in the Winter Soldier arc, and he talked about having a bunch of clips of all the little TV shows that he's been on that's had Winter Soldier saved to his TV, and I loved reading it. I hate him for leaving Winter Soldier just a little bit, just a little, because the new Winter Soldier line is, it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot of swirly art and that makes your eyes hurt a lot. Um, 
a bit too much for a comic book in my opinion because it just takes up way more than is necessary of the page and you kind of get lost so see even when we don't particularly warm up to something we can still try and be a little bit more positive it's very <laughs> colorful definitely definitely i mean I, I will read any bucky arc i mean let's be honest I, i'll read them all even when he has a soulmate that's a weird alien with tentacles i'll, I'll still read it but <laughs> i hate that by the way i'm i'm a I'm a Bucky Nat girl. I always will be. They're one of my OTPs. <laughs> she will go down with that ship. I will go down with that ship. And, you know, they killed they killed it, despite the fact that I'll go down with it. They killed that ship in the worst way, and it was so beautiful. But, I mean, we're going to we're gonna put him with a weird alien girl? Like, where did this come from? Why is it there? <laughs> okay, see, I'm looking at a couple of the pages online, and, but, and it does kind of remind me a lot of... Uh, of Jim Steranko's art on Nick Fury, um, especially with a lot of the colors and the, uh, the weird trippy psychedelic backgrounds. So I definitely kind of kind of see where you're going. Like if you took a black light to that comic book, it would be a trip for sure. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. the only thing it's missing is a big mushroom. Well, see, and that's the thing is I get why they did it, but it was way too much on the coloring, I thought. Because I was interested in the story only because I read right before it um, where they were the Who shot the Watcher and all that stuff. Yeah. That whole event that they did, and that's what that spun out of, um, ending with him becoming the Watcher on the Wall, which was Nick Fury. And so with all that, like I got why they did it, but it was painful to read, <laughs> panel for panel. It's like you wanted to focus on the story and read this, but the whole time you've got this screaming pink at you. Just for no reason. So. Yeah. yeah. And Marvel did the, the all new, all different, is that what it's called? Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, where Hulk is not Hulk. Amadeus. Well, he's Cho. Hulk. He's just not Bruce Banner Hulk. So he's not Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just, that's just my opinion. It's just my opinion. It's just gotcha, my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Your I'm. Opinion. Yeah. We, we like the oldies. We're not big fans of change, and you can change lots of things. Just don't change who they are. Like, don't take my well, babies. But that's the thing. But that is the thing. Is it again? So maybe that comic's not for us. Yeah, maybe it's not written for us, but it's written for someone. Right. And maybe they and Marvel kind of wants to skew to a little bit younger, and they're going to go with Amadeus Cho because Michael. I would say how many how many Asian leads do you see? True, and I appreciate that. Kung Fu based. And you can see the effort that they're putting towards things like that in the comics right. where they're leading off with Miss Marvel, uh, Amadeus Cho. Um, there's another one that I can't. I know they're putting uh, Miles Morales to the forefront mm -hmm. uh, yeah. more than Peter Parker, actually. Mm -hmm. Peter Parker's kind of gone to the sideline as kind of the current rich boy Tony Stark. Um, not quite alcoholic Tony Stark but he seems to be more like the yeah. to, like the you know he's finally the got his act cuddly, together kind cuddly of. Tony Stark yeah. the, Tony, <laughs> the Tony Stark that's not going to blow the Tony something. Stark you right. can take home to your mom yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, but right. yeah I think that's really awesome um, just to see them bring out more than just I'm going to say this more than just blonde white men mm -hmm. so I think that's really awesome and it gives more people something to relate to because we read these things because they take us different places and they're amazing mm -hmm. And there's stuff that we don't care for that other people are, you know, it's their lifeblood. But I do think it's really awesome that they are making that effort. And they, they told us it would be all new, all different. And they're delivering on that, their promise. So. Yeah. Yeah. so that that's a good thing. It's just, I wish some things were were more stable, 
I guess. I think it goes back to the whole thing what we were talking about in the last episode where it's not my character. Yeah. Kind of things like that. It is for a new generation. That's why they restarted every so often. Mm -hmm. um, and then the fact that they've collided the Ultimate Universe, all these other universes that they've created, it's all one big thing. All the spiders are now in one area. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> you got Spider-Gwen, um, the one from uh, 1610. Um, I mean, you've got literally all of them in Spider Manhattan. Corner. So, yeah, it's like their own corner now. But, yeah. So, I mean, and that's a good thing. I mean, you want to be able to have that, that kind of diversity. But at the same time, you know, like everything else, like every iteration in comics, like the bigger something gets... And the fewer people that follow along, they're going to condense it back down to something that's palatable for uh, for the purists. And the purists, guess what? Again, we've had how many years of these characters mm -hmm. that we love? How many different stories have we read? How many times have we gone back and reread stories that we hadn't read in a while and discovered something about the character that we that we either love or something that we didn't remember? And we have that we have that opportunity more than people who are just going you know going into comics now. So I kind of I kind of step back a little bit and say let them have, let them have comics now. Doesn't mean I can't have them. Just means I I appreciate them in a different way. Right. Because the way that we continue to get the thing that we want is by having more people like it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's right. So and that's our Marvel news for right now. Now we're going to kind of switch over into DC. See if there's anything we want to talk about. Um, Stephanie. Hello. Uh, yeah, so everybody's probably aware, if you read comics, that DC's going to go through a rebirth, which is awesome. I felt like we just did this. Yes, it was called Con the New 52. <laughs> yeah, although something super cute. I think all the issues, like, most of them are going to number 52 so and stopping, stopping and I'm a completionist, so I think that is absolutely adorable mm -hmm. and precious, even though some things in the New 52 I didn't particularly care for. Um, changing certain origins that I was really attached to and making Tim Drake a douchebag. But again, 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 it you know, it's someone's art and it's I always respect right. it. But and even on that even on that perspective I had to think about, you know, you have you have Tim who for the longest time has been the closest thing that even even though he until his father died you know, he was the only spoiler. Robin that still had... Right, still He's had, a Robin, it's not exactly. a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only Robin that still had a so parent, a that still had a living parent. He was, for the most part, like Bruce Wayne's de facto son. Like, even at this point, even, you know, up until Damien, kind of more than, than Dick was, because Dick had grown up. He was his own man. He was Nightwing. He had his own team and, and all that. So... Yeah, bringing in, uh, bringing in Damien, who's the, you know, who's Bruce Wayne's blood. If I were Tim, I'd be a little bit bitter too. Yeah, I would be bitter. Um, and they did change his origin. He was the acrobat, and his parents were hidden off somewhere. They were still alive. They retconned everything. But again, the rebirth thing. I'm most excited about Dick Grayson being Nightwing again. I, I probably mm -hmm. need Nightwing rehab, but. I'm excited. Yeah, because there was a time there when he was just Grayson, and you. I was depressed. Mm -hmm. I was. I felt alone in the world. <laughs> um, but but ex exactly 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 <laughs> because he was still I can't alive. He just wasn't Nightwing. Yeah, I can't help. So I'm super excited about that. I think 
what they're what they're doing with the Grayson thing. I'm glad, you know, he had kind of had to answer for a lot of it in issues 11 through 13. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to bring him back and it feel natural instead of, oh yeah, I'm not James Bond anymore. Uh, I missed leather <laughs> <laughs> and the rooftops. I just really didn't feel like myself. Um, <laughs> it was all this daylight. Right. I, I had to go out in the day. It was weird. But um, I'm really excited about that. Um, there's going to be the Super Sons. Damien and Jonathan Kent, which is cute, um, I guess. <laughs> it's cute. Anyways, but there's a, there's going to be a lot. Batgirl is going to be with Birds of Prey, and I'm super excited about that that's, because that's good. I love every member of the Bat family, even Damien, most of the time, sometimes. <laughs> um, Damien is an acquired taste, in my opinion. He is. He really is. But I think... I think the rebirth, it's going to change a lot of things, but I think it's going to make some things right. Or, you know, air quote, right. Certain people's version of right. And it's going to give something new. I think, again, it's good when you get to the point where they can um, redefine a character for a new generation. Mm -hmm. For people to say, you know what, because, again, you're looking at, with DC, especially even with Batman, it's 75 years worth of stories. Mm -hmm. and you're just coming in to your interest in reading comics where do you begin so again just had the ability to for them to just start and say hey you know what this is your entry point and it may not be our entry point because we've been reading these stories for for years decades and but it makes it good for you know that kid that's going to pick up his first comic Right, he's like, I can get a number one. Mm -hmm. I can get Batman number one. And it's and relevant to right now. my Batman. And in 20, 30 years, this will still be my Batman. Right. Even though it was somebody else's Batman before me, this will be my Batman. And well, the see, fact that it'll, it'll endure. And that's something that I struggled with trying to get into DC. I know I've talked with both of y'all about that. Um, I'm currently reading Identity Crisis, which is awesome so far. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always been, hey, if you want to get into this, read this graphic novel. Or read this. There's not like a Batman that you can start on and not have to read like 62 of them before <laughs> that. And so it's just kind of like I'm perpetually forever behind and I'm one that likes to start at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so with that, um, I'm kind of excited to see what the rebirth's going to do because that way I have a jumping point of it may not be the Batman I'm familiar with, but it very well could be my Batman. Right. Yeah. And if they make references to other things, you know, that could be a doorway into something else. Mm -hmm. And let you go back but that I think it's awesome that you know some people hate renumberings but I'm like oh it's number one it's just it's just a certain feeling you get yeah. I've always kind of looked at um, especially uh, recommending comics or uh, and again especially with DC I've always kind of looked at uh, recommending the graphic novels as not necessarily hey you know what this is your starting point for the you know whatever is going forward but I look at graphic novels as saying this is this is how you can define the character. Like this is, this is a representation. Like the Dark Knight Returns, it's kind of a one of the better represent representations of who Batman is, Batman's mindset, even Batman's relationship with Superman. Like those things are, are there in the forefront. You don't have to. You haven't had to read 60, 70 years of uh, of those comics to understand their dynamic if you read, you know, Dark Knight Returns or The Killing Joke or, um, you know, all of, like those graphic novel stories. Like, even 
even the new things that they've added, like Court of Owls. Like just reading the Court of Owls storyline, I I love that storyline because even though it was new characters, you saw. I mean, it it let you, it literally helped you believe that these characters had been there all along. Oh yeah, yeah it was creepy too. Mm-hmm. It it literally frightened me. Yeah, and it turned Gotham City into you know not only just something that Batman protects, but into a living, breathing entity that had its own history before Batman. Well, the next thing we're going to talk about is the just uh, wealth of trailers that have just <laughs> dropped into our collective geek laps in the last uh, two or three weeks and um, the first one I want to talk about because and you know these they didn't come out of nowhere but how they've been uh, put out there is interesting like I was super excited for the Star Wars Rogue One trailer oh yes yeah. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, and you know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but just it the fact that, you know, they went through and if you haven't watched the trailer, go watch the trailer. I mean, I'm sure oh, yeah. at this point if you listen to this, you have seen the trailer and, and we don't you know, we're still learning, so we don't know about rights or anything, so we're not gonna play anything from the trailer. Nope. We're just going to talk about it because I don't want to get a cease and desist order from <laughs> from Disney. It'd saying, be a horrible way to start exactly. out this adventure. <laughs> <laughs> The grand opening, grand closing. Yep. Um, <laughs> welcome to our last episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the, uh, but I love the. Um, even though it's a new movie, it feels classic Star Wars. There's a retro feel to everything. Okay. I like the classic Star uh, Stormtrooper uniforms. I love. Uh, I mean, death Troopers. Yeah, I love the Death Troopers. I love the fact that you know that just that Star Destroyer. Flying in front of that, <laughs> flying in front of the Death Star being built, just mm-hmm. all of those things just made me say, "I w- I have to see it. I have to see what the story." And the, f- the fact that they had Mon Mothma, oh yeah, like and the fact that whoever they got to play Mon Mothma looks like Mon Mothma. Clone. <laughs> it's like I was like, I don't know where they found her. Mm-hmm. If you know, if she's been frozen in carbonite. <laughs> for the last for the last twenty years, um, but that was like that woman looks just like Mon Mothma. Oh yeah. So. So as like, it's probably the least seasoned Star Wars fan at this table. Explain to me exactly where Rogue One is coming from. Awesome. Real quick. Oh, perfect. 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 I love this. Okay. So. Very good question. Yeah. No, this is great because you know uh, we want to educate each other, and we're going to hopefully educate people who are listening, and we want people who are listening to educate us. So, um, have you seen, you've seen Star Wars A New Hope? Episode yes. yes. Okay, awesome. So, when they get to the point where they're talking about the, well, the basically the, the entire plot of Episode 4 is getting the stolen Death Star plans to the Rebellion. Rogue One is the group of, peop- or the group of rebels who stole the Death Star plans to okay. get them to the Rebellion. So, basically, it since episode four starts with Princess Leia on her way to Alderaan, Rogue One takes place in that time between episode three and episode four, when the rebels have, when they successfully steal the plans and deliver them to Princess Leia. Okay, so it's sort of like we're filling in a little bit of the gaps exactly. there. Exactly. Okay. Right, because there is mm-hmm. such a 
there's there's a Jesus Why? years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, from the age of ten to thirty three. Mm-hmm. There's a there's something mm-hmm. going on. But. And what's cool is that they're finally telling a story outside of the episode. Structure. And that's the, the that's other thing I, I like about it is the fact that it's not an episode. It's mm-hmm. a it's Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. So and there's so many different stories they can tell. Like there's a gap of time between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. When they talk, when Han Solo talks about the bounty hunter they met on Or Mandel, I want to, they, they can tell that story. Mm-hmm. Let's meet him. And, right. <laughs> and some, and, right in a, they can tell that story in a different context. They can tell it animated, like, things like that. And that's, those are things you want to know because it's not like these stories happen one on top of the other. There's time in between. So. Right. I, that's what one of the things that makes me super excited about Rogue One is there are you know this is the reason there was a rebel alliance you know there there were more rebels than Han Solo and Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. so the, exactly and those people I want to those are the people I want to learn about too <laughs> right I hope it kind of steers away from the the Skywalker family a little bit just just to see I think, that's the thing I think it has to mm-hmm. because yeah. with the exception of with the exception of Leia and they were Vader, kind of not and Vader, you know, Luke was, you know, whining about going to Tashi Station to get power converters. <laughs> yeah, he was because yeah. he had nothing right. to do with all this stuff. I mean, he heard about the rebellion, but he wasn't part of it. Right. So it literally had nothing to do with him. So yeah. you can tell a bunch of stories that you know veer off from who these people are, like, and just you know, tangentially, you know, this is who you know where they are. Mm-hmm. Like you know where they are, but they don't have. But they're not part of the main story. Right, right. And this, and they had such a success with the Force Awakens. You know, introduce, introducing us to characters that we love, mm-hmm. some we don't like. You know, there's villains, but <laughs> I think this would be an awesome thing to be like, hey, there's more people. Mm-hmm. You know, just give people new things because I, I love them. I love them all. I love the Skywalker family tree <laughs> situation. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad it branched out. Let me just say that because <laughs> it got a little weird. <laughs> but um, I think it's going to be a really great thing because yeah. that's infinite it's space. I mean, they can do so much stuff up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And one thing I think is cool, too, is I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, I know that when I read that Disney took over the Star Wars franchise from Lucasfilm, that they basically said the expanded universe that had been canon for so long yeah. is all not canon anymore. Yeah. The only things that are canon are the actual episodes uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, the yes. two animated series. Mm-hmm. And so with that, this has given us our first insight to what is canon. There's a lot to fill in. There's a lot of things that they, like you said, they can branch out to mm-hmm. uh, as far as telling about the Jedi, the Sith, and more so with Rogue One. I think it's going to be more of a ground level, here's what the troops are doing. Right. This is our little set of Marines that are going in to do the super secret mission to further the Rebels. Right. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, and for people like me who have done nothing but see the movies, it kind of introduces me to the universe, and I like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things is that they had a, you know, after, um, if you were going by the, the expanded universe, and, you know, I, um, they, Timothy Zahn wrote a series of books that were, up until recently, they were candid. They were, in fact, de facto episode seven, eight, nine, and those were the ones that had Grand Admiral Th- Thrawn in them. And those were great books, and it was a great character, and new characters that they added, like Mara Jade. And there's a part of me that's yeah, there's a part of me that's sorry to see them go, but at the same time, I'm I'm interested to see where they're going with it. 
because mm-hmm. I want to know who I want to know who uh, Ray's parents are, and I want to know how Finn was kidnapped. Well, not kidnapped. How Finn was taken mm-hmm. when he was a baby. Those are the things I want to know about. And if I'm, and if we were stuck to the expanded universe that we've had since the last movie, then you know we wouldn't have a there would there'd be no leeway. We would right. be stuck with what we had. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I honestly don't think she needs to be a Skywalker. I don't I think know. she does. I know we wanted to be. I wanted her to be a Star. I will understand the artistic need to not make her a Skywalker, but I do want her to. But then in the same sense, though, the episodes are the Skywalker tree. So it's kind of like, yeah. so you're going to take it the third trilogy to all of a sudden go, yeah. well, it's not Skywalker. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing. They, they, that is the through line through all of those stories. It's about you know, it's about that family. So. The passing of the Force instead mm-hmm. of the torch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> ha ha, pun. <laughs> Alright, so the next one we're going to talk about is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yay! <laughs> we're going to let Jenna talk about this one because she loves it so much. Well, we were having a debate earlier. We, we didn't let you hear um, about whether or not we could we could classify Fantastic Beasts as a short story because I, I haven't read it. Um, Darren did correct me and say it, it wasn't a short story. It was a textbook, which is true. Which is true. Because <laughs> Fantastic Beast is not a movie I expected to see. You know, we, we finished Harry Potter. We, we wrapped it up, and we didn't really expect more from it. Um, and I'm so glad they're doing more because I love that universe. And even the short trailer that we got, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's beautiful. Even if you know nothing about Harry Potter... It's a great segue into the universe because Fantastic Beasts is a prequel to the Harry Potter universe. You get to see, you know, you're not getting Dumbledore as the headmaster. You have Professor Dumbledore and and you're seeing an introduction to this world that is just fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And I agree with you. No, no, no. It's not corny at all. I I absolutely agree with you. And that's one of the things I love. I think about the fact that... um, J.K. Rowling herself, you know, she's involved in this world. It's not like something where Warner Brothers took this away from her and just said, hey, you know what, we, you know, we want more, we want more money, we want more, you know, we want more Harry Potter, and if you're not going to give it to us, we're just going to do it ourselves. Like, this is about, you know, this is still her, this is still, you know, her, um, her baby, her baby, it's her world, exactly. Like, she, she wrote the screenplay. I'm not going to she wrote the screenplay for. And she's um, she's still intimately involved. And they got David Yates to direct. You know, David Yates is the one who directed, um, was it the last four Harry Potter movies? So he, you know, he, he knows that world. He knows how that world looks and how it should sound and how it's cinematically it should feel. So, and I mean, how to make us squeal like little girls when we watch the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you know, it kind of keeps you, it keeps you in there. Yeah, because he, yeah, he's directed Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, and both Deathly Hollows films. So, yeah, so he knows the world of Harry Potter and knows how it looks. And the fact that you can get someone who has kind of defined the look of something to to give us something else from that world means it doesn't feel like something that's just wedged in it feels like something that's a part of the thing that we love mm-hmm. and we can appreciate it a little bit more and we 
I'm definitely appreciating. <laughs> All right. The next trailer we're going to talk to and we're probably going to talk to at length about is Doctor Strange. Yes. <laughs> Danny's been uh, bursting at the seams. So Danny, Danny, go ahead because I have too many things I have to say about So I'm not super, super familiar with the comics of Doctor Strange, so I'm just going to talk as somebody who has seen the trailer. And oh my gosh, it was awesome. So the first thing, I mean, I text all of them afterwards letting them know that I'd seen it I was like what in the world did I just watch because um, it was just I mean not in a bad way either it was just it was trippy I mean inception on steroids like I just I was like wow all the visuals to it and everything looked incredible and I mean Benedict Cumberbatch looks amazing as Doctor Strange too like I, I absolutely loved it yeah um, just everything about it and then the punch man that was awesome it was like all of a sudden I don't know. I, I, what was that? The astral projection? Yes. That, so yeah. Was, mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, and I know you're probably going to know a lot more than that. <laughs> I, mean, I just know that it looked freaking awesome. No, so. and I'm with you on it. There was yeah. like, it just, it it hit all the beats that trailer was supposed to be. You got like a little snippet of backstory. You got a snippet of the journey. You got a little bit of the villain, even though you don't necessarily know who the villain is. Like, I'm really want to know who Mads Mikkelsen is playing. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know. Do you have a theory? Well, I mean, Share judging that. from the eyes, <laughs> judging from the eyes, it does kind of, he's giving off a Dormammu feel. Mm. And that's... See, I've heard Nightmare, too. Right. So. so that's the thing. It can be either or. Like, he can be Dormammu, it can be Nightmare, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling more Dormammu. Mm-hmm. And I know they keep saying things different, but it just, it just, everything just seems... So Dormammu esque. Well, he looked like he had a little friend with him too in that yes, in the trailer. Exactly. So, so and that's the thing. I love Tilda Swinton as the ancient one. I oh, that was so cool. I, just, <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was brilliant casting when I when I saw it and the fact that I just seeing her in that little snippet <coughs> in the trailer, it was amazing. And you know, I I don't think there's anyone who can say a well, I'm sure there is, but you know, it'd be wrong. Can say, necessarily say anything really negative about Benedict Cumberbatch, but you know, it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, he's, he's just I, so lovable. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just the fact that he. I think one of the things that one of the reasons why I wanted him for that role so much is just the dignity that he brings to any role that he's in, mm-hmm. and Doctor Strange can, you know, it can be. It's so easy to kind of take it away from the realm of the otherworldly, yeah, the otherworldly aspect yeah. of it and make it campy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And putting someone with that level of gravitas in that role just makes it just makes everything else about it seem that much more important. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it made me excited to see how he would react with our other characters because yeah. even though it's this own movie. The first thing I was thinking of is, well, what about the universe? And what's going to happen mm-hmm. when he meets Cap or meets Iron Man? I know somebody posted a panel of, uh, uh, what was it, facial hair bros? Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I posted that to our Facebook page, yeah. <laughs> Superpowered Fancast. And so, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see how all of that's going to affect the wider world because mm-hmm. until now, our line of sight to Infinity War has been what we've got. And now all of a sudden they're adding a whole other element to it. Mm-hmm. So does that mean new villains in Infinity War? Does that mean a different playing field? 
what kind of effects that what might that actually have on our overall team? Yeah, and we can all speculate, um, and that's the and that's a good thing is the fact that we you know we we can speculate on the things that we know and the things we want to see and. Um, and the best part about our speculation is that we can be completely wrong and then still be completely amazed by what we got. Oh, yeah. So I, you know, I, looking at um, Doctor Strange's place in uh, in the MCU, I mean, he's got to have reference to Thor. Mm-hmm. Oh, mean, yeah. Because... What they've really kind of established in, in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that magic is just another form of science. Mm-hmm. It's just a science that we don't understand. And see, I wonder if they're going to turn that on its head, too. Because that's yeah. what we know as of now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. is that you got the, the microverse. So, you can, mm-hmm. so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Hank Pym doesn't go to Doctor Strange to try to find his wife. Try and find Janet. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, my God. Don't I didn't think that about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. I, it would not surprise me. Mm-hmm. There's so much. There's so many possibilities mm-hmm. uh, with introducing Doctor Strange, and I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna insert my opinion here. Um, I do not know a lot about Doctor Strange at all. Um, I guess I expected reading more. Deep, I expected a Doctor Fate esque situation, mm-hmm. and just because that's how I see Doctor Strange. Because I don't think I've ever read a standalone anything mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. Well, I mean, Doctor Strange has always been a an interesting character to me. I've always loved Doctor Strange just because he's both in the world and outside of it. Right. Like he kind of um, he he pretty much kind of go because he's a sorcerer supreme. He kind of goes where the mystic powers take him. He doesn't necessarily follow what everyone else is doing. Right. It's just kind of he does his own thing, and he he'll be he'll he'll be the guy that just kind of pops up and says, "I'm only here because you need me." Mm-hmm. Once you once you're done needing me, I'll go back to you know Where? my world. And you all you all handle this, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> as long as this doesn't affect me, y'all are fine. You're good. So I mean, in but I mean, he was you know he was a surgeon, so he has that that aspect of it. he was a doctor and he but he was he, I guess the the easiest con- the easiest contrast is well not in contrast the easiest comparison. Is he's a magical Tony Stark? Okay. So yeah. I mean, he had um, instead of being, I mean, he was rich, but he was rich as a doctor. Right. Like he was as a surgeon. His, being a surgeon was his life. Mm-hmm. Being a surgeon was the thing he was best at, and because he was the best surgeon, he was the most arrogant. Okay. Then gets, okay. Then he gets into a car accident, and uses and loses the use of his hands. So, oh, see, yeah, these are all things I'm learning. Yeah. Okay, so that's the thing. Because, like, after his, you know, after his hands are repaired, he can't perform surgery right. like he used to. He can't do the thing that defined him, that defined not only his, uh, his ego, but the thing that, um, that made him feel a sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. So he starts looking for alternative cures. Starts looking for, um, and he it gets attracted to uh, Nepal and uh, mm-hmm. goes to different countries to try and find a cure for his hands, and that's when he gets recruited as a sorcerer supreme, because and it it's literally what sh- what the ancient one said in the comics that I look at your life and I see possibility, because it was like he thought that his Stephen Strange thought that his place in the world 
was as a surgeon. That that's the only way he could help. Mm-hmm. And he finds out that he can't. That there's more ways, because there's something special about him beyond like, just what he could do. It's like the ultimate. You know, you thought you were good at this one thing. Mm-hmm. You could be so much better at this other thing <laughs> if you just try. Mm-hmm. But visually, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh, it was watched trippy. it a couple times. Yeah, it was trippy. I loved mm-hmm. it because I was not expecting it mm-hmm. at all. At this point, we've seen a thief, some soldiers, a rich guy mm-hmm. who's kind of a douche, <laughs> um, you know, a god, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know, an assassin, and all these other things. A frozen assassin. <laughs> frozen assassin, female assassin, and a dude with a bow and arrow. So, and a weird girl. <laughs> and a fast guy that they He's killed. R.I.P. Um, anyways, it was so unexpected and so different that I, it kind of took me by surprise and kind of like threw me off. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, I'm so glad they're not trying to fit him into a cubicle. Yeah. Like, it's just like, this is, is going to be weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's what I like about it is that, you know, that's what I've always liked about Doctor Strange is that, you know, his world is not our world. Right. Like, he lives, he lives on, you know, he lives on Earth, but he doesn't necessarily spend as much time in our reality as we do. Like, mm-hmm. he's in different realities. Yeah, different dimensions. So he, so his perspective on things is different. So. Yeah. And in the cinematic sense, like, he's, his his story is a little more like Thor's in that there's no ties, mm-hmm. not or not a lot of ties. I'm gonna assume, anyways. Like Stephanie, I don't know much about Doctor Strange, but like there's not a lot of ties of other mm-hmm. characters we can't exactly touch yeah. in his universe, mm-hmm. such as our X Men and mm-hmm. you know every everything Sony and Fox have. <laughs> Um, and so Marvel can do anything with it. They don't have yeah. to kind of cut corners with it like they do a lot of the magical people yeah. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because they're allowed to give him what he mm-hmm. is due. And I'd say the closest that they could actually find to having a little sticky area with, uh, with Fox is because, um, because uh, Doctor Strange invokes different type different different types of magic like yeah like he'll call on uh, ancients like the like agamotto and um and ragadoon and watum but he'll also call on sidorak now the closest mm-hmm. now sidorak as we all know is the crimson gem that is juggernaut that is the juggernaut <laughs> that has created mm-hmm. the juggernaut which is fox so i mean i think that'd be the closest but thing i that mean I know, you leave it out, but you know, I, you know. He's invoking, like, no. well, he's invoking the Vashanti, you know. <laughs> You're saying a lot of big words, but I have no idea what they are. Well, that's the thing, it's like, I, I love Dr. Strange. I love when, you know, he, he's he's one of the, he, the cheesiest thing about Dr. Strange is one of the things that I find the most endearing is the fact that he'll be, you know, he'll be like the Crimson Battens of Sitarak. Like, he will literally <laughs> do that in comics. Like he Yay. will like put his, he'll do little hand like little gang he'll signs. Evil eyes. Right, he'll do like <laughs> mystical gang signs and call on the Vishanti, call on the Vishanti. To, like, those are things that those are things that I love about the character that I think are cool. That is hilarious. So, <laughs> so are there any other trailers anybody wants to talk about? 
I mean, I'd like to talk about Suicide Squad just a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, We've got absolutely. a new one out of that. And mm-hmm. It looked beautiful. That was the, um, not was that the Ballroom Blitz uh, trailer? Um, yes. 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 Ballroom Blitz trailer. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, I was a little hesitant going into, not, not really, but because... I love Jared Leto. <laughs> and since the moment they and Jordan Catalano. He was gonna, Jordan yes. Catalano! <laughs> if you don't know what that is, I can't associate with you at all. <laughs> we are 90s children, <laughs> and we will judge you. Saying, I'm not, and I still know who Jordan Catalano <laughs> <laughs> <So. Anyways. laughs> people, people like to kind of crap on him a little bit because, you know, he's... He's a singer, but if you've ever seen Whatever, anything, he's an Oscar. Yes, I was like, if you've ever seen anything, for a dream. Jared Leto played him. He's a fantastic actor. He's not just someone you know stepping out of his comfort zone. He's been doing this. He was acting way before he was in Thirty Seconds to Mars, and I mean, he every clip that we've gotten of him as the Joker has been fantastic. It's been very interesting. Like, is what I've seen, you know, from um, you know what I've seen from his characterization. It's been incredibly interesting. And I was one of the, one of the people. I was just like, you know, he just seems a little uh, too pretty to be the Joker. <laughs> no. I have to dirty him up a little bit for they the did. Joker. But and then when you know, and then I'm I'm sorry. The picture with the tattoos. <laughs> I was like, dude. I think that turned a lot of people. I like that. It bothered me so much. I was like, dude. Did you know? Did Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger and a Juggalo have a baby? <laughs> that's what it looked like. Yes. But it, like, it's it's their mark on bringing these characters to our century. Mm-hmm. He Joker has always been a gangster. Jared mm-hmm. Leto is a gangster the way we know gangsters. Yeah, and I don't think he's typically I, going for that in the movie, but I mean that I think that was the play they were making on that. Yeah, and that's actually a good take because I've always kind of looked at um as Joker as the ultimate nihilist. So I never really thought of him as you know a uh, as a gangster. I mean he's had, you know, he he has Henchman. He has a gang. I never thought of him as a gangster because he never really had um, motives other than that wasn't his ultimate goal. Right. You know, was, I mean, I, I always thought him having a gang was just a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, definitely. But yeah, I think it was more like an image thing. Like you always had the you know mm-hmm. the, the old the classic suit. suit. Yeah, the classic <laughs> suit on. Yeah, with the yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just so very glad that. While Heath Ledger's Joker was amazing, I'm so glad it's something completely different. It's gonna be very hard to compare the two yeah. because Heath Ledger's Joker worked. But I think that's where it thing. was. I mm-hmm. think the thing that uh, I think the good thing is is that we don't have to compare the two. Right. You don't have to compare um, Jared Leto's Joker to Heath Ledger's Joker because they're two completely different Jokers. Right. Like I gotten out of the comparing this person's portrayal of a character to this person's portrayal. I'm not going to compare Christian Bale to Ben Affleck. I'm not going to... Because there's no comparison. <laughs> well, I'm just going to kind of go for more... No, I know a... I'm just bitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. But, um, but yeah, the, the Ballroom Blitz Suicide Squad trailer, I thought... I, I liked it because it seemed, it, it seemed a little bit more fun. And I know they're saying that they're trying not to go for 
humor as a contrast to Batman v Superman, but that trailer was a lot more fun. It was, oh, yeah. Than I think even the previous one, because the previous yeah. one was um, the uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really liked that one because I liked the fact you know they you know they told you about the characters and you saw the characters and um, but the Ballroom Blitz trailer was was fun. It, mm-hmm. You got to see the action yeah. that you that you can look forward to. I have like one reservation and I told Jenna after we watched it mm-hmm. and people may really hate me I really hope Will Smith does not play the whole movie as Will Smith <laughs> you're talking about the uh, you're talking about the hey man you know, I was just trying to get you there yes <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna say that I love Will Smith it's great but I don't wanna see I, I don't wanna be, be able to picture you know Deadshot and I think it's gonna be interesting First to see high the, top. Yeah, to see that, uh, yeah, that neon. to see his iteration of Deadshot because Deadshot to me has always been a character devoid of an actual personality. Like he's yeah. He, like if you really look at comic book assassins like Bullseye and Deathstroke, mm-hmm. where would you rank Deadshot as a compelling character? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. No, yeah, I agree. I want some personality, but I don't want. Well, I don't want Will Smith, honestly. I don't, mm-hmm. just because I don't feel like Deadshot would be the the funny Comedic one. Relief. But again, yeah. on the, the thing, that would be your version. Of yes, it. It. I. I love Will Smith. I'm sure he'll be great. I'm sure everybody loves it. But that's my one reservation. Like, I'm open to everything else. When I watched it, and he said that, I was like, I feel like that was an ad. Did, did you do like, that? It's like, don't do that again. I feel like that. I feel like that was a lot of you. That would be like me showing up, and I'm that's supposed to be playing a girl from Michigan, so going, "Hey, y'all, like, how you doing?" It's like Will Smith. That's your welcome to Earth. <laughs> you don't need any. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one time you can do that. We're gonna put it in the trailer. <laughs> but it, I think it's gonna be great. Um, it looks like a lot of fun. It looks very dirty and kind of grimy. Yeah, it does. And look I very super very love that. I like oh yeah. It doesn't look like yeah. It yeah. I like the fact that it's not you know overly bright it kind of it's has not on a pedestal same, it's yeah, just the same tones I like it almost seems like it's it, like it should be like Suicide Squad missions always happened on the fringe of the DC universe and that's what this film kind of feels like mm-hmm. like the, it's happening on the fringe even the guy saying hey what would happen if you know Superman flew down tore the roof off the White House and pulled the president out of the Oval Office mm-hmm. you can imagine that happening you right. can imagine, you know, whatever else is happening in the DC universe happening, and then oh, on the side is this, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of where Suicide Squad belongs on the free. Right, and it looks like they are not D-listers, but bad guys, and just these mm-hmm. not super, super, super mm-hmm. important, mm-hmm. like pivotal Again, characters. That was also part of the point. That was also the point of Task Force X. Yeah, I love were, that. I love that they seem like they're so like mm-hmm. down here mm-hmm. and everything that's happening with mm-hmm. Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman is way up here. Mm-hmm. And what would be interesting to see is is anything that happens in Suicide Squad affect Justice League or mm. Aquaman or those films going forward? Mm-hmm. Do they lay do they kind of lay the seeds for events happening in other in right. other movies? Right. Well, one thing I'm wor- wondering about too in the trailer I mean, I don't know a whole lot about Suicide Squad other than what I've seen. And um, there's something, I think it was Katana 
cut mm-hmm. like the top of a head off looks like an ashy body yeah and that's the thing because like the villains don't yeah. necessarily look like people and that's one of the things I wanted uh-huh. I'm, I'm interested to find out about because mm-hmm. there was a um, and one of the rumors that they're talking about is that um, Joker is manipulating Enchantress Oh, okay. That would be fun. So, mm-hmm. just and um, that one, I'm you know I'm interested in uh, in learning more about because if he is, then what you know what are they actually fighting? Because mm-hmm. I think if you really look at the trailer, you still at this point don't, don't know, know. right? Who it was just the confusing things of them hitting these things that look like they've been burned to a crisp, and you're like, what the world's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. So I'm wondering if it's like some kind of otherworldly, I mean, like enchantress, like you said. Yeah. I mean, it could be. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I did love when she, when Harley heard the laugh that <laughs> the only thing she said was, uh-oh. Yeah. I thought that was brilliantly, <laughs> brilliantly placed. And it wasn't over. You know, we've, we know. I mean, you can't, to me, you can't put Harley and the Joker in the same without talking about what they are. Yeah. And just her being like, uh-oh. Um, and I don't necessarily think awesome. want them to kind of rehash Mad Love in in that movie, but yeah, no, just kind of you know if they can if they can kind of bring snippets of that in there, then I'd be satisfied. Yeah. And the one of the things that you know when going back to what I was saying about um, him manipulating and chances that it reminds me of it reminds me of a episode of Justice League called, called uh, Wild Cards, where yep. he was manipulating Ace. Mm-hmm. So hmm. that's kind of you know kind of where I where my mind goes when right. they bring up that when they bring up that aspect of the story mm-hmm. is that okay well maybe and you know I'm sure it'll be completely different but it, it makes me excited to want to see what happens right the fact that we're sitting here like guessing about it and yeah you know trying to think of theories is just mm-hmm. awesome because right. Suicide Squad as a movie that come on like Batman yeah. Superman all day Wonder Woman yay how about these people yeah. <laughs> it's like when they did Guardians like yeah I mean not exactly the same because when they did Guardians we weren't exactly thrilled about the idea of it <laughs> what Stephanie called it like I said they were picking a team out of a trash can and saying let's rehash <laughs> I was quoting someone I think own it because you know I I was almost I was pretty much there with you because I was like really they're like this soon they're gonna do Guardians. It's like, like go back and try so to they read ever, an this, this old thing, Guardians they, of the Galaxy have they established, comic. It's hard. Yeah, it's just, have <laughs> they established anything in the? Uh, so I mean, but um, all right. So does anyone have any other trailer they want to talk about? I think that's probably yeah. Cool. I mean, we don't really want to touch on Civil War right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, we've everyone's seen all the trailers yeah. and it's shown the new stuff. Now I, I like the. I like the the Ant Man intro just to catch. Well, we watched yeah, that. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, in the next later. one. Yes, I thought that was later. Fun. All right. Um, Stay tuned. This, yeah, this next thing we're talking about is called "What We're Into," and this is going to cover anything. It can be uh, books, TV shows, movies. Uh, you know, a piece of tech you like. Uh, probably not want to talk about a piece of tech, but we'll go because <laughs> that's kind of boring if you're not looking at it. But um, right, so uh, what I'm into, and we kind of uh, we didn't talk about the trailer for it, but I'm reading the actual book. is called Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. It is a um, now Tim Burton has directed the movie version that should be is coming out soon. Uh, the trailer looks really interesting. 
um, the book is kind of Harry Potter meets X Men. So that's and that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so it's coming from kind of good pedigree. I actually am really enjoying this book. Um, so uh, I don't want to. I can't really talk about it without spoiling it. But is a it involves a. You know, there's always the, the titular hero who um, has a, his grandfather is trying to... Uh, uh, I can't talk about it. Okay, well, I'll ask you a question about it then. Um, mm -hmm. So is it mainly focused on one child or do you actually get the characterization of a lot of different well, the thing, people? Well, the thing that's really cool about it is interspersed in the book are photographs, like vintage photographs. Oh, that's awesome. And these vintage photographs are, I don't know if you ever looked at, and it's a little macabre, if you ever looked online and like people who would take pictures of like their dead relatives. I really yes, did that one yes. and I had a so nightmare. Yeah, so there are pictures like that in the book, but there are, but all of them are kind of different. Like mm -hmm. they're like just, and all of them oh, okay. are incorporated into the story. So there's a point to each. Yes, it's not just a random. So yeah, it is. It, and the reason why it's it's peculiar children is because yeah, it is. It's about a an orphanage filled with peculiar children, the know. children who would in you know in society be considered freaks. But beyond the fact that they look different, they also have powers. Oh, that's awesome. That make them different. So and that's one of the things that is really interesting, and especially even the the headmistress, Miss Peregrine. Like there's there's something to her too. Mm -hmm. And they live outside of time. They live in what's called a loop. Okay. So oh. yeah. So again, it's just every part, every aspect of the book just can just gets more and more interesting mm -hmm. because it actually it takes place in present day. Okay. But it also takes place in 1940. Oh, that's so yeah, huh. so it's so that's it's yeah. That's it's, that sounds yeah. fun. Mm -hmm. And that it's cool. the journey of especially even looking at these pictures that are just so stark mm -hmm. when you look at them like in the fact that they're integrated into this uh, integrated into the story themselves it just makes it just very it makes you want to read more mm -hmm. and that's the reason why I, I definitely what I'm into is definitely what I'm recommending okay. like um, before the movie comes out even if you just go and watch the movie I think it's an interesting enough story that that it's worth reading okay awesome is that all you're into right now? That's what I'm currently into. <laughs> That's what you're currently into. So we got these. Okay. All right. So I guess I'll go. Um, what am I into? Hmm. That's, that's a tough question. We can talk about WrestleMania because WrestleMania happened. I'm going to make this a very short Cliff Notes version. It was amazing. There was shocking moments. There were moments that were kind of like, okay. We um, thought Shane McMahon died. We thought Shane McMahon died. Pretty sure he died. <laughs> <laughs> um, the women's title oh my goodness. was Beautiful. brought in. So no more divas. We have a women's champion. All grown up now. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a white belt. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, it was a really great show. Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, and Stone Cold Steve Austin came out and had a little fun. So we had enough nostalgia. But we also had some really great future like looking into the future moments they so. set up a lot of stuff right like forward. baron corbin someone in nxt won the andre the giant memorial instead of someone you've seen a lot of and i think it was a fantastic show um it was stressful uh poor roman did win he did 
Is he still is he still champion? I don't know. We I haven't watched it this week. I know. We I'm, haven't. I'm We're super behind. behind. <laughs> but it was awesome. It was a really great match. Um, all of them were really great matches, actually. It was Brie Bella's last night. She's gone. She retired now, okay. which is super sad. But it was everybody looked really good and poor Roman he could breathe and people would boo him <laughs> you know That's exactly what but it was it was time you know and Triple H's intro was a bit weird um <laughs> with Stephanie McMahon standing on top of a throne looking amazing but kind of weird but it was really it was something different it wasn't just okay Wrestlemania it was fun it was really fun to watch good it was. It definitely was. Jenna? No, Danny's going to have to go before me. I don't know what I'm into yet. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, what you into? Well, I'll stay pretty recent because it's still fresh on my mind. Oh, my gosh. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, oh, you, I see not, you have to talk about it, but you can't spoil it. I know. I'm not going to spoil it. And it's so I'm hard still not to spoil it. Up. People. Okay. People. <laughs> so, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now is really leading to something... I mean, it's actually kind of going along with, I think, heading towards Doctor Strange. It's really otherworldly at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. Hive or, about the stuff or with, Hive, Hydra. With, with Ward? Yes, with Ward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Ward's a cockroach. Um, <laughs> most of them are. <laughs> most of them are. He's the worst. Um, but yes, yeah, so they had their little otherworldly thing with Ward. Ward is back, and he's not Ward, and... Hydra's up to her old tricks, and just, oh, this is so hard to talk about without spoiling anything. Um, I can but, see the pain on your face. It hurts. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, I know when the first season was on, it was it was dry at first, setting the characters, getting things going, a little cheesy and everything, but after Winter Soldier, with their tie-in with that and everything, it exploded, and it's been amazing ever since. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely one of my favorite TV shows on TV right now. Um, I couldn't miss a week of it. There's no way. Uh, the story is just way too good right now. Yeah, and that's the thing that's bothering me is like I'm I'm with you on it. Like mm -hmm. I I love it, and I, the fact that I'm three episodes behind is it's killing me. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Secret Warriors assemble. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Are we back to me already? We're back to you. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we can, we can ask a, a couple questions about Agency. I mean, okay. What do you, um, I would say just, just again, as, as fans and what fans love to do is speculate, mm -hmm. what do you think they're going to do going into the season finale, especially since you've got both um, uh, Civil War and uh, mm -hmm. Doctor Strange coming out this year. See, thinking about it, I'm getting chills right now. That's right. how excited I, I am mean, about We're going to have to, like, <laughs> because even though Doctor Strange comes out in November, mm -hmm. like, you're going to have to, like, you just, they got the whole summer hiatus, mm -hmm. and then they're going to have to come back in the fall. Mm -hmm. So when they come back in the fall, I mean, what do you think is going to happen between, um, between Civil War and how it is going to impact Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then them opening up a whole new world? Oh, they've already opened up a whole new world. Because um, with Ward coming over as unnamed subject, um, <laughs> as him you so want to say it. Don't yes, you? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it so bad. Um, but with Ward being who he is, um, they've opened up another world. It's kind of crossed that boundary of not really, not really dimensional wise. But I mean, mm -hmm. they've talked a lot about the Cree. They're harping a lot more on that as well. Because yeah. you've got the Inhumans and everything. Mm -hmm. And so right now, with uh, 
ward who he is, he's trying to build his army, um, and he's using Hydra as a platform. And so with that, that means that Hydra is no, le- no longer the beaten, wounded body that it was before. They're actually starting to revive, but it's a different Hydra altogether. Much scarier Hydra. Not the shoot, shoot, all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. Let's wage war on the Americans over and over again. <laughs> Nothing like that. It's legit terrifying. Um, they had last night uh, Ward's uh, reveal of his actual face. And holy cow. <laughs> Me and my fiance were watching it. We just mouth open like it was just ridiculous um and the, but the thing is i think that the way it's going to affect civil war is that it's going to give hydra a bigger platform i think that they're not really looking toward civil war singularly mm-hmm. i see it more of a grander stage yeah. um with where they're going with how hydra is right now it's more of they're lurking in the shadows building their strength mm-hmm. and then it's really going to explode from there i think the biggest thing though um we've been seeing is with the secret warriors though because the Secret Warriors, even within them, they're having their own little miniature civil war, civil yeah. disagreement. Civil <laughs> disagreement. <laughs> and that's so, yeah. one of the things I've, I've found interesting, especially about this season, um, is that, you know, after Winter Soldier, like Hydra, you know, they, they regrouped, and mm-hmm. they, it seems like S.H.I.E.L.D. is more on the defensive mm-hmm. than they should be. And Hydra is just, you know, Operating almost with with complete autonomy, mm-hmm. they're just like running roughshod through the Marvel universe. Well, and it's because they're in a different way now. It's yeah. not the organization Hydra; it's the little seeds of right. Hydra. It's the Hydra cells, yeah. right? Exactly. Like mm-hmm. uh, Gideon Malik, mm-hmm. he's at the top of his food chain on everything, and one of the most powerful men in the world, and he's Hydra, and so mm-hmm. he's manipulating things here and there to get the Inhumans into one central place, some kind of safe yeah. zone, which obviously it's never going to be a good thing if you're rallying up people. So, uh, But, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, there's been differences in where Coulson and Daisy have kind of gone back and forth mm-hmm. um, of what they should do with the Inhumans, whether there should be a cure or not. Sounds kind of like that. Yeah, and I kind of like but... that. Yeah, and I like their <laughs> dynamic because it, it went from, it's gone from, uh, you know, teacher student mm-hmm. almost parent child mm-hmm. and then it's gone to um you know boss employee and then i mean they they their relationship kind of runs a gamut of oh, yeah. like just different emotional pairings mm-hmm. and that's always been that's always been interesting the interesting dynamic between uh colson and daisy mm-hmm. and it's still weird for me calling her daisy I know. Like, <laughs> two seasons she was sky and now she's daisy mm-hmm. so then but um, it's satisfying. We lost. We lost everything. We're gonna bring you all up this week. No quest. But I'm I'm very excited about the Secret Warriors coming because with yeah. this episode they are officially assembling them because there is a need now. Mm. And so with that and with who they've all grouped in the last few episodes, if you've been watching it, you know it's it's gonna be killer. I'm still waiting for Deathlock. Uh, he's he's been come. in every season so far. <laughs> he's gonna show up. He's gonna make his one appearance. Just show up, save the day, and you know. Peace out. <laughs> gotcha. All right. I'm boring. I'm really not into a lot <laughs> at the moment. School and work kind of drains me. Um, I guess I could talk about Flash. We did finally catch up on Flash. Um, it didn't have an episode this past week, correct, Danny? 
Yes. Okay. So I'm still caught up on. Flash. We have to watch the crossover with Supergirl, but yes. Well, we're we're way behind on I'm Supergirl. Behind on that. So. Oh, I I have it. You have it. I do have it. <laughs> Darren has it. <laughs> it was so totally worth watching. It was the it was one of the cutest things I've ever seen. Yeah. But I've I seen, heard it was I've super seen cute. a couple of uh, memes about it on. It the, was, the it interwebs. Was, <laughs> it, it was Super Friends, the TV show. Oh, yay. <laughs> super cuddly puppy time. But I just want to say, um, spoiler, is everyone in the room caught up on Flash right now? I, Darren? I am still slightly behind on Flash, but go ahead and spoil. I'll, I'll be fine. Okay, well, spoiler alert. Are you alert. sure? Because this is really big. <laughs> it's Darren. I'll know, put it to you this way. Yeah. who... I know who Zoom is. Okay. okay. Well, so that's we're good. All. We're past so I want I want to say totally called that before it happened. Not as early as Danny did, but he was a little <laughs> troll and told me I was wrong. <laughs> but I did. I wanted it so bad to be either Flash, like either Barry or his dad from the alternate. And I was I was sticking with that up until the point where um we saw Barry still tied up, <laughs> and um, because I was, I was just open to possibilities. But I, I did say earlier back on when Jay was talking about being sick that you know maybe it was something that he he had he had created more of himself. And I am going to say I do think the man in the iron mask is another Jay Garrick. Whether or not it will be true, it's mm-hmm. I don't know. But the man in the iron mask, <laughs> exactly. Not to but be confused it, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Not to be confused, but it, you see him from the back. You see his hairline. He he looks mm-hmm. like him, and and he was. I mean, obviously, we realize he was trying to tell Barry that Zoom was Jay. But why would he be trying to tell Barry that? Why would he assume right. Barry knew Jay? Why wouldn't he mm-hmm. just be trying to say, "Help"? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know, but. Then again, we don't know that much about Earth 2, but can we just talk about how wonderful it has been this past season? Like, King Shark looked yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it frightened me. It me. <laughs> I don't like sharks. And, and our, brief, <laughs> our brief little, like, love affair with Killer Frost and uh, Firestorm. Firestorm. Yeah. Seriously? That is what we have been waiting for since they said her name in the first season. Like, as soon as we found out it was Kayla's no, it's just okay, Killer Frost. I know, it's just it like, awesome. oh, when is she going to because oh, they, they keep each other alive. Mm-hmm. Like, <sighs> cuties. They are. They're such a beautiful couple, and he killed him. I'm so tired of watching this. <laughs> I'm so tired. Jenna is so super spoilery today. <laughs> I am. I said spoiler alert. None of you can fuss at me. Don't listen to this part. <laughs> Might be a little late now, but hey. Um,. I've, I've completely lost my train of thought. I'm so tired of watching these speedster kill characters I love. Like, if I have to watch Cisco die one more time, I'm going to riot. Like, his face, his poor little face just makes me want to, like, curl him up in a bundle and, like, rock him. <laughs> Anyways, that's what wow. I'm into. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just as far as uh, just a little piece of information on these, on these Supergirl Batman, these Supergirl the Supergirl Flash crossover, uh, aptly titled "World World's Finest." Stephanie's face right now, y'all should see. Oh, it was so cute. Um, <laughs> I I'll put it to you this bit. way: it had everything you wanted. It had, um, it had Barry and Kara being friends. It had Jimmy Olsen being jealous of Barry and Kara being 
<laughs> it had a super speed race. It had Aww. it had multiverse. It had um it had live wire and silver banshee. Ooh. Silver banshee? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> it was nothing but a, a cute super t- super powered team up. So <laughs> that's adorable. Yeah, so you all will have to watch it. Yes. Need. Need in life. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So going into our last segment is called Back Issues. Now, these are comics that we're not going to, not necessarily going to um, reinvent the wheel. This is just comics that we really like that either have some personal meaning to us or have shaped our opinion about a character or even shaped our opinion about something else. So, um, does anyone want to go first? I can go first. <laughs> um, the comic I want to talk about is Red Robin number nine. It was from the 2010 run. Um, it's by Chris Yost, Raymond Vox, and Ray McCarthy, just so we have all credits where credits are due. Um, I love Tim Drake. I love the Bat family. I need sidekick rehab, I think. <laughs> But there's one moment, this takes place after the battle, battle for the cow situation where Bruce is air quote dead and stuff happens and Dick takes Damien as Robin and Tim feels very unloved right now and lots of angst is going on and it's shortly, like right after, um, Khan comes back because you never really die in (laughs) comics. And one scene in particular, in particular that really like touched like touched my heart was Tim sitting there and Calm flies up and you know he's like making fun of him essentially about his new outfit because it's a full cowl and it's a lot of black leather and some crisscross stuff and he's like you know he even makes a comment why he looks so happy with our cell and leather you know and cute things like that and he's sitting there talking to him and Tim's just looking at him and he just hugs him and he's like you're back and he's like yes we covered this but it's it's very nice because Tim, he kind of admits that he's in a bad place and that yeah. he's getting better. And, you know, Khan, you know, he's like, you know, we miss you. You know, me, Bart, Cassie, we miss you. And he's like, just yell, I'll hear you. And Aww. it's just such a cute, cotton candy, best friend moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and as Khan's flying away with Crypto the dog. <laughs> um <laughs> He, you know, always gonna find some way to wedge in that dog, right? <laughs> For some reason, dogs but, only live what, like ten years, right? <laughs> but he's, you know, he says thanks, and you know, contest for what, and he says for believing in me. It's a cliche line, but Tim needs that so bad because everyone else is telling him to mm-hmm. deal with it, just deal with it. Bruce is gone, deal with it, and he won't give up. He's going around the world to try to find him because he he just knows yeah. and he's a detective and it's so purely what Tim Drake is and that's yeah that's always been part of Tim Drake's character is that he's the, the first person who will never give up exactly and he has a moment where he's just looking into the sky after you know Khan's gone he's like this moment this is a good moment I'm gonna live in this moment for a little bit and of course a villain comes up but just the fact that Tim Drake is the Robin that's the hopeful one Mm -hmm. no matter what he's lost he is the hopeful one and he's the one that even though he's seen horrible things 
he can be like, you know, my best friend believes in me. I'm going to live in this moment because this is worth it. And I have a purpose. And it's a beautiful friendship. It's a beautiful just acceptance that Tim knows he's broken like the rest of the Bat family. Mm-hmm. But that he refuses to break further and he refuses not to feel. And just that he allows himself to always feel and just be so caught off guard and hug his best friend just because he missed him. Not internal, you know, inner monologue about how he missed him. Mm-hmm. He he acts on that and it's a beautiful thing. That's nice. You have to remember who he was. Yeah. And it, it's... What? Okay, well, um, I'm going to talk about Punisher War Journal number 35. Ooh. It uh, <laughs> came out in October of 1991. The uh, issue is called Motivation in this comic cost a whopping dollar seventy five. Oh, mine was $2.99. When it first came out. And it was written by Mike Barron, who is the co-creator of the character of Microchip for okay. uh, Punisher Comics. And it was penciled by Ron Wagner with inks by Jimmy Palmiotti, who is a co-creator of Painkiller Jane. Um, okay, in this issue, Punisher travels to the fictional Latin American country of Rio Rico. That is hilarious. That Marvel alliteration for you. Rio Rico. Mm -hmm. As a stuntman to investigate a series of mysterious deaths on the set of an action movie about a vigilante who wears a skull on his chest called The Retaliator. (laughs) That is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Yes. The Retaliator. (laughs) The Retaliator is like every 80s action star. He's big on muscle and light on talent. Uh, Punisher learns that the production is using unskilled labor while the director is making snuff films on the side. Oh, wow, that got serious really quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you're laughing at the retaliator, and then that happens. Then also this happens. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I really love about this book is that it's a completely standalone story. Because at the same time, in uh, 1991, especially around the same time, Um, the rest of the Marvel Universe was dealing with on the X-Men side you had the Extinction Agenda Mm -hmm. which is a huge crossover of all the X-Books and in the rest of the Marvel Universe you had a little story arc called the Infinity Gauntlet (laughs) so So while everyone else was kind of dealing with those things you still had you you still had Punisher dealing with all two human villains Mm -hmm. like just literally dealing with (laughs) still dealing with the worst of us so that's the one I, that is the one I picked. Punisher War Journal number thirty-five, from October nineteen ninety-one. Yay! Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take Danny's because um, he's actually currently reading a graphic novel, and we kind of want to go with a little bit of the, the standalones. And this was gonna be my bonus comic, but I'm gonna go ahead and just uh, do it as, as my back issue. This is Conan the Barbarian. Issue 94 from January 1978. It's called The Beast King of Abambi. Yes. And I'll get into that one. (laughs) (laughs) And what I love about this, uh, what I love about this cover, um, besides the fact that it's uh, it's penciled by John Bashima, but that it makes a point of an big old letters on the front of the cover that's still only 35 cents. <laughs> well, This comic was written by Roy Thomas who is the co-creator of Ultron 
is also the co-creator of Adamantium. Nice. He's also the co-creator of Carol Danvers, Morbius the oh, Living Vampire. Mama. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Doc Samson, Valkyrie, Werewolf by Night, and Adam Warlock. Okay. I love him. Like, mm-hmm. yay yeah. person. Be <laughs> <laughs> Roy Thomas. Thank you. So, <laughs> now, this is a very just basic story, like a lot of them were, especially around that time. As uh, Conan and the Pirate Queen Belit free a group of slaves from a slave ship and take on a witch doctor controlling killer jungle animals. So okay. it's just, it's, it's um, very simple story, very simple contained story. Um, the reason why I like it is because I was um, always a fan of the character of Conan and his father Cole. Like, I've always loved those characters. And this is one of the this is one of those comics that just kind of gives you a nostalgic feel for also how you know comics were back in the day and especially a long time ago because the fact that this comic was 35 cents when it came out they literally even have a blurb in here that says you can get a full one-year subscription for four dollars and 95 cents Oh, that would be so, yeah. so, you can't be up to date on everything. Yeah. <laughs> so that uh, just that um, just that 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 throwback history, even the um, even the the ad for Hostess Fruit Pies, <laughs> um, starring yeah, starring Captain Marvel, is just fun to read. No. So those are those are two back issues. Okay, my turn again. Um, I'm doing Captain America, the Winter Soldier. This is part of the 2005 line, and this was the first, not the first appearance of the Winter Soldier. I think we had seen glimpses of him in the previous comics in this one, but this is the first time that we realized that Bucky Barnes was the Winter Soldier. And, of course, if you've seen Captain America, the Winter Soldier, this is this is the storyline that birthed birthed that movie (laughs) and the reason why I adore that movie because I love Bucky Barnes I loved little teeny bopper Bucky Barnes the little mascot (laughs) of the the camp that Steve was stationed at and I loved that whole line I adore classic Captain America comics and the Winter Soldier arc is it's Oh, she wants to say it. (laughs) It's definitely one of my favorite arcs um, because I love what they did there. Bucky was one of those characters that, you know, he he had stayed dead. He was gone. You know, when they brought him back, Brubaker, he created a new world for me, I know. (laughs) Um, And, you know, he did go on to become Captain America. He was... He was, he was a very detrimental character, but he was one that Bucky Barnes didn't have superpowers. He was yeah. talented. He did the dirty work that Captain America couldn't do. He was a, he was a child assassin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say child. He was a teenager. But, and it, was, it starts out, it's a beautiful comic. The artwork is very good. It starts out back when the explosion first happened, the death of Captain America and Bucky Barnes. Mm-hmm. And you get to see at the end, after you get your who the hell is Bucky scene, which they played out beautifully in the movie, but go read the comic, it's better. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get to see them finding Bucky's body yeah. um, where he had been frozen in ice. And a lot of people, including the ones in the comic book, had assumed he had had the sol- super soldier serum mm-hmm. as well. And he hadn't. I mean, everything that Bucky had, he, he gave himself. I'll be honest with you. That's actually one of the, at the end of, that's probably, in my opinion, the best example of bringing a character back from the dead. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think like I don't think anyone, even DC, has done it that well. No. To just saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, we brought this character back from the dead because this is what happened. It served a purpose. Yes, it yeah. served a purpose, and he, and we didn't just he didn't he, he didn't all of a sudden become magical or possessed by spirits. Like we just keep putting him back on ice. Mm-hmm. Yes, like he's like he, he's not. We bring him out when we need him, and then we put him away when he is done. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, and that seems so much more realistic a story arc. I mean, it's as realistic as you can get in comic books. Right. Then, uh, then you know, hey, you know what? I was uh, trapped in an alternate dimension yeah. for, for yeah. fifty years, wow. and, now, and now I'm back. <laughs> so I, you know, I fully agree with you on on the Winter Soldier story because that uh, and the fact that uh, it becomes a redemption story for him. It does. After the death of Cap, that you know, with him becoming Cap, that it becomes that much more interesting. Yeah, I think we're going to get to see a lot of that in Civil War when it comes out. We get to see because you know Bucky he struggled a lot when after after he had gotten his his ideas back, he struggled mm-hmm. a lot with you know what he had done and who he was as a person. And I'm looking forward to that. And this Ooh. is the reason why it's yes. the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to do one more back issue. Just because, just to wrap things up, just to put a button on it, that's because this one's a little bit special. This one is Spider-Man Volume 1, Number 16, from November of 1991. I bought a lot of comic books in 1991. (laughs) (laughs) This is called Sabotage Crossover Part 1. Now, this is actually a crossover from the X-Force books. Now, this is written, penciled, and inked by Todd McFarlane, who is the creator of Spawn. Now, there's like actually uh, some panels in here that were actually drawn by Rob Liefeld, who's the creator of Deadpool. Mm. Okay. So, this is a quick, you know, it's a continuation of the story of X-Force involving Black Tom Cassidy and the Juggernaut, Black Tom being um, Banshee's, uh, Banshee's brother. And, but, All know, that, yay. Yeah, it's Black Tom. <laughs> Black Tom and Juggernaut blow up the top floors of one of the Twin Towers mm-hmm. and X-Force is trying to stop them with the help of Spider-Man. And Spider-Man just shows up as he would in his own comic. <laughs> so while team leaders Cable and Domino are separated in the rubble, the rest of the team are fighting Juggernaut throughout Manhattan. Now the reason why I've always found this comic interesting, the reason why I, I, I keep it is because one, this and the other... Uh, issues are all drawn sideways like every panel is sideways like if you read it it's almost like reading a calendar hmm. so it's always like so it's, it's almost like having a comic full of splash pages but splash pages is drawn by one of the best artists in the world Todd McFarlane so, <laughs> so <laughs> not just any splash exactly. pages exactly it's not just splash pages but and all the pages like I said they unfold like a calendar it's also significant because this is the last comic book that Todd McFarlane ever drew for Marvel Comics mm-hmm. as an employee. Now he's come back and he's done a couple of yeah, things. Yeah, of course. But as a, as a Marvel Comics artist and writer, this is the last comic he ever did for them. And it's cute because even on the on the cover, you actually have Spider-Man, a little bubble that says, Bye, Todd. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... That's Spider- super cute. <laughs> that's Spider-Man Volume 1, number 16. November 1991. Yay. All right. Well, that's the end of episode two. 
of the Superpowered Fancast. I think we have talked a lot. Yes. <laughs> and, and somewhere within, we hope you enjoyed what you heard. Um, so again, uh, please let us know what you think, uh, things you'd like to add, things you'd like to take away, comments, concerns, things that we got wrong. Let us know at superpoweredfancast at gmail.com. That's our email address. Uh, at superpoweredfan is our Twitter feed. And you can find us on Facebook at Superpowered Fancast. Yay. <laughs> All right. Are we signing off? Yes. We're should, signing I, should I salute? <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <see> it, <laughs> <laughs> Imagine it. <laughs> <laughs>